Hi, I'm Martin Brown. I'm the illustrator of Horrible Histories and the writer and illustrator of some books called Lesser Spotted Animals. Um, Horrible Histories are children's non-fiction about history. Uh, as we like to say, it's history with the nasty bits left in. Um, sometimes we're accused of being historians, um, accused of being an illustrator. Uh, the author is a storyteller and I'm a cartoonist. And I think that's, that's the essence of the books. History has the best stories. And you really couldn't make that stuff up. And for a cartoonist, of course, it's the most marvelous material. So between us as storyteller and cartoonist, we have produced this series of books about this wonderful world that we have lived in the last few thousand years. Um, I think I've always been interested in history because of its stories, uh, because of the characters in there and that curiosity about how we came to, to be here. Um, growing up in Australia, the, the, the great question that all school children tackle is um, why was Australia even settled in the first place? It was very Anglo-centric and, and, uh, in those days. Uh, the broadened the curriculum rightly since. But when you start asking why, how did we get here, quite literally, then you find yourself going backwards um, about looking into why England was the way it was in the late 18th century. And to understand that, you've got to go back to understand how England was in the early 18th century. And, and the more you dig, the more you realise you've got to um, understand what came first, what, what came previously. So I've always had a, a mild curiosity for the whys. I mean, it probably comes from when I was tiny and loved dinosaurs. I mean, as soon as you, everyone loves dinosaurs and you, can't, you start thinking how and why and where and all those questions and history is all about that. Um, so I, I wanted to be an archeologist when I grew up. <laughs> in some respects, I sort of am in, in, in a bizarre way. I get to do research, not nothing terribly original, but it's, um, it's, it is digging into that why question a little bit. The number of times that I've tried to find costumes or, or uh, the dress of the era for peasants or the equivalent of peasants is, um, has, it's been really tricky uh, because there's any number of you know, reference materials for rich Georgian gowns and uh, Napoleonic naval costumes, but uh, naval uniforms. But to sort of get the, you know, the poor guy in the street is, is sometimes harder to find. Uh, luckily, it seems that we basically wore tunics for a couple of thousand years. So um, a, a simple tunic with a belt across the waist gets me a long way. Well, back in the olden days, um, the very first one we ever did was the Rotten Romans, um, which was published in uh, 1994. So I would go to my local library and I would strip the shelves of anything remotely Roman. Um, the adult section, clearly, because it had a lot of detail, written detail. But of course, I needed pictures as well. So I would strip the children's section, non-fiction section as well. The poor kids doing homework around about that time had no chance because I had all the books. Um, 
And so I needed that, the, the visual references as well, a Roman town, what the Roman town looked like. And of course I could do all the primary research myself, but it's so much easier if you can see what other people have done before you. Um, but I also learned that you need lots of reference material because there are different takes on the same thing. Even someone as famous as Julius Caesar, you know, there are different busts, there are different statues of him, and he does look slightly different. I mean, there are recognizably Julian things about him, but um, some of them are, are quite different. So you've got to kind of find uh, what research is trustable. And then, of course, over the years, by the time we did um, Ruthless Romans, which came along a, a fair bit later, we had the internet. And then, of course, all this stuff was, was just a click away. I could pull up all sorts of reference material. Once again, not all of it trustable but, or trustworthy, uh, but it certainly sped things up. Probably too much information. You know, I had so much information. And I had to remind myself that, you know, sometimes I'm drawing a cartoon character of a Roman or a Tudor that's that big. So you're in this mad situation where you're trying to get a Tudor costume right millimetres high, and that way madness lies. Um, it was one of my favourite bits, really, of the show. I was a great fan, and uh, I still am. Uh, and the, when Victor did his, his sort of reconstructions at the end, it, it wasn't even the, 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 the pot that you were talking about would be held by someone, you know, that which brings it to life. It, it's, not, it's not just an object in a museum. Here is the woman or the man or the child carrying water in it. And you can kind of see it then being uh, used by, or loved even by somebody. You know, that's my favourite pot. Well, that's, you know, that's my second favourite pot. You know, it, it's sort of, it, it's got a life then rather than something a little bit untouchable. Um, so apart from that, what, what was amazing about Victor's work was seeing him, him do it, that, that construction of the image that you saw. He would sit, you know, maybe sometimes just resting his note, uh, his, his art book on a, on a wheelbarrow and sketch away. And, and you could sort of see it build. And then you put the people in it, as you say. And then it's not just a house and a field, it's someone's home. And... Um, I think that's, you know, I, I'm not comparing myself to Victor Ambrose at, at all. Um, but there's something about the humanity that's always been in the horrible histories. We, you know, there's kings and queens. They're sort of these pointy bits of history. But throughout history, it's been the families. It's been the poor sod trying to raise his family and the poor mum trying to feed her family that have coped with everything that these emperors and kings and, queen and queens have thrown at them. So that, that image at the end of the show is, is sort of what makes it all important, really. The, the fun of the thing is, is, is in the fact of the thing. Um, you know, if I'm looking for a guy, because I, mean, I came in at, uh, as I say, I'm called the illustrator, but I, I, I was brought on board, I, I came to it from a cartooning point of view. I was doing a, another series of books before these, writing the gags and drawing the cartoons. And it was that that was we needed for the horrible histories. But I've got this wonderful source material to work with. 
um, you know, if you're reading about Roman roads being straight or something, that's that's where the joke is, you know, the straightness of them. Or if you're reading about, um, you know, the practices of the Roman army um, uh, and, and how they wore their armour and their, how they carried their kit, the, the joke is in there somewhere. It's in, it's in the history. It's in the fact of it. So I got to read sort of really interesting stuff. And then I had to just riff on that, just sort of spin it a bit and exaggerate parts or puns. You know, the old, you know, there's all sorts of ways of making a joke out of something. But it, it wasn't just fun for its own sake. I mean, there are a lot of history books out there with gags. But we wanted to try and uh, bring people in. It's, it's not just sort of gratuitous violence or gratuitous fun for its own sake. It's, it's if, a, if a child sort of goes, ooh, wonderful, you know, ooh, icky, um, or you know, gruesome, or funny then it's just just kicking open that door a little bit and to to get them to read to the next part and um, get them interested because the the stories are the thing the stories are the hook uh that's that's you know the whole point of it the, the, these these characters these historic characters these peasants if you like the people who put up with all this history over the years they're the ones that are telling the story it's been around for a very long time, and we, we use some of those traditions in, in the books um, because they're, they're great. They tell the story. I mean, there are all sorts of ways of telling a story. Uh, and also just to get, I don't know, to raise, raise awareness. That sounds way too pompous, but just to kind of raise a question mark sometimes to, to, um, to say, you know, was this reasonable? Was this fair? Uh, you know, Queen Victoria was seen as a heroine for a long time, and Henry VIII is a bit of a rock star. But really, you know, was he a nice guy? Is this the sort of person you want as a father figure? Uh, you know, we can ask those sort of questions with cartoons sometimes. And it, we're not trying to get the children to think, but history is is a bit more flexible than than perhaps you and I grew up with. And there are a few more questions about it these days. And asking those sort of questions is a good thing. Well, so, sometimes it, um, there is humour in, in, in the sickness of it all. I mean, in the, in the, in the horror of it all. I mean, you, you don't make jokes about slavery and you don't make jokes about the Holocaust. But within the details of those tragedies, there were things which were just sort of cruel and bizarre and uh, sometimes and you turn the joke around so it's not on the slave or it's not on the uh, the concentration camp uh, victim it's sort of you, you want to push it back on the perpetrators but other times you, you, you don't you can't tell jokes about that I mean uh, one of the books we did, we've done these uh, special books, but one of them was at the USA. This is the original cover. It's had about three incarnations. But you couldn't do a book about the USA without talking about slavery. I mean, it's a really dark part of, of their history and, and part of their foundation, in fact. It started so early. So you, we, we talk about it, but it's, it's, not, it's not funny. Um, it, you know, we just... And that's where I suppose some of the cartoons are more editorial. 
they're not sort of gags as such as their editorial cartoons. And of course, editorial cartooning is a, is a, a rich and noble tradition, whether it's uh, Gilray or any of those great heroes from the past. You know, it's a way of shining that you can use cartooning to shine a light on something rather wrong. Um, so there's, there's that sort of other side of cartooning which we use as well. Um, which I, I enjoy. I wanted to be a cartoonist, an uh, editorial cartoonist when I grew up, uh, as well as an archaeologist. So it, with this, not only do I get to do gags, I get to do that editorial stuff as well, and we can comment on this barbarity. I mean, the children will grow up and they'll learn the complexities. And, and you know, I can't vouch for every single fact in the book. And... We talk about myths and legends as well, which the people of the days would have told. Um, so it's, there's myth and there's ghost stories and there's all sorts of things in there. But it, it's still part of this, this, this picture, which if, if it engages you, then you, you look deeper and you look further. And that's, that's what's so nice for us to, to have people come back to us years later and say, well, you know, I'm, I've, I've, I've got an interest in history because of this. Um, uh, <laughs> it's uh, more for them. But, but it's, uh, um, as I say again, it's, 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 the, it's the story itself that, that is so engaging. And possibly in the past that the, the history books were too preachy and, and forgot those, those stories. Well, the stories were always about heroes, about Nelson and all that sort of baloney. As wonderful as, as Nelson was, I mean, all the other characters around him, you know, the, the midshipman whose name is completely forgotten. Just up the top of the road is an Iron Age fort called Badbury Rings. And we live just off the road down, straight down from Badbury Rings. I say straight down because it was a Roman road. And it crosses the river our village is on a is on the stour uh and the roman road crosses it at some point no one's really investigated it this is what i'd love to do one day because there's, there's such there are a lot of question marks around here this was a big settlement just up the road on just towards Badby rings there's a slight rise and on that rise was a romano-british town called vindicladia which was possibly the second biggest settlement in Dorset once upon a time. Um, Shapwick now has less than 200 people in it. So this was a, this was a big deal. There was a bit of a junction, a, a road junction up by Badbury Rings where a lot of Roman roads met. And then this went on to Dorchester, the Roman town as it was then. And so that, this river crossing was the only river crossing for miles. Because otherwise you you get down to the sea and the other direction it gets hilly, uh, so it, it was it was an important place, and the ground penetrating radar that's, that we've had around here a bit of investigation has discovered all sorts of signs. But of course, no one no one we, we don't need to dig so much anymore. But no one has got the budget, and um, I'd I'd love to learn uh, a little bit more. I'd love to know exactly how that crossing worked, where that crossing is. You can imagine carts wobbling over the 
over the forward things falling out um and the history around here is of course is much older than that too because alongside the this the, the iron age there's bronze age things this is probably bronze age so they still used old technology when they had the new stuff as we still do um and then you know there's neolithic as well not far from me there's uh, hambledon hill which is iron age on one part and neolithic on the other and it's it's just this little flint bit here i found about two fields away just you know walking the dog up a track going across and uh you know it's, it's sort of worthless but it's it's sort of neat to think that someone a good few thousand years ago made that for a purpose so it's, it's got a long history here um and i guess that's kind of neat australian anglo-saxon history is only a couple of hundred years old whereas the indigenous history is possibly sixty thousand years old which is extraordinary i mean you think that the the current bunch of humans have only been in the uk or what became the uk about ten thousand years and while we were scrabbling around in the mud here the aborigines were already established down in australia um it's it's that these time scales which are so fascinating, and then you sort of pick up something that proves it. So Dorset's pretty wild. It's all it's all here, and uh, uh, it sort of makes it quite real. When I can walk down to the pub, down a Roman road, it's kind of nice. Australia's too big. You see, I'd, I'd love to. It's, the north coast is full of mangroves and swamps, and it's all it's all gone. The Aborigines, the indigenous people, arrived sixty, possibly earlier, thousand years ago. It, it'd be wonderful to kind of to establish how that happened, um, because there was no at no point in 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 history has there been a land bridge between uh, Australia of New Guinea and the eastern side of Indonesia. There was always an over-the-horizon sea crossing that must have happened. So it would have been, I'd love to find out exactly how those very first people made that, made that crossing and, and, and how. And the, the technology, they must have been the most in technolo technologically advanced people on the planet. The, the Neanderthals were still in, <laughs> in Europe when the original people from Australia made that sea crossing in boats. Um, <clears throat> so it would be impossible, all that stuff's underwater, under mangroves. It would be, it would cost gazillions and gazillions of pounds. So it is quite fantastical, but um, that would be extraordinary. 